It demonstrates that if you are a woman or a person from any other group that is traditionally unrepresented in these more senior roles, you can have a shot at those roles if you have the skills and the abilities and the experiences and frankly, the people willing to give you a shot. And I think that that's the biggest thing that I try to focus on as much as possible is that this is something that is available to people when the stars align if they have the skills and ability to do so. Welcome to The GAC Files, a podcast about the people, issues, and ideas driving Global Affairs Canada. Bienvenue dans les dossiers d'AMC, un balado sur les personnes, les défis, et les idées qui animent Affaires mondiales Canada. Bonjour tout le monde, je suis Sandra McCardell, sous-ministre adjointe Europe, Arctique, Moyen-Orient et Maghreb, et la championne pour les femmes à Affaires mondiales Canada. Je suis ravie de faire partie de ce balado portant sur les pionnières canadiennes en politique étrangère avec l'ambassadrice Kirsten Hillman. This podcast is one of the events organized by the Women's Network of Global Affairs to mark Women's History Month. With this year's theme, She Did So Now I Can, we can have no better guest, Canadian trailblazer Kirsten Hillman, Canada's first woman ambassador of the United States, appointed in March 2020. Ms. Hillman has a wealth of experience as one of Canada's senior women diplomats. As Assistant Deputy Minister responsible for trade agreements and negotiations, she oversaw all of Canada's trade policy and trade negotiations. Ms. Hillman was Canada's chief negotiator for the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, a free trade agreement which has anchored Canadian business in Asia-Pacific, and she also played a leading role in the negotiation of the Canada-U.S.-Mexico Agreement. Welcome, Ambassador Hillman, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Sandra. It's great to be here. Ambassador Hillman, you know, today I think what's really going to be interesting, et bien sûr, je suis à l'aise de parler de la langue de votre choix. Je pense que ce serait intéressant pour nos auditeurs, c'est de savoir un peu comment vous avez commencé votre carrière. Clairement, quelqu'un qui a grandi à Calgary, à Winnipeg, n'a peut-être pas eu en vue l'idée de travailler à Ottawa, de faire partie du gouvernement fédéral. Est-ce que vous pourriez nous expliquer un tout petit peu comment vous avez choisi votre carrière en tant que diplomate canadien international, mais aussi comment vous avez choisi de se joindre à la fonction publique. Oui, bien sûr. Pour moi, ça n'a jamais vraiment été un but d'être diplomate. Quand j'étais toute jeune, je voulais être danseuse. Ça, ça n'a pas marché parce que pour les gens qui me connaissent, je suis très grande et pas très élégante. Je veux dire, je, je suis assez costaud. Après mes études de philosophie, ensuite de droit, j'étais avocat à Montréal. Et je suis membre du Barreau du Québec. J'avais l'intention de faire ma vie là-bas en pratique privée. Et au début de ma carrière, j'avais des dossiers euh, de droit public. J'avais un dossier en particulier de droit constitutionnel. C'était à cause contre le gouvernement fédéral, en fait, euh, sur la liberté d'expression. Et moi, je trouvais ça passionnant. J'adorais ça. Une fois que ce dossier a été terminé, je me trouvais dans un pratique de litige commercial plutôt normal, c'est-à-dire les titres coaches, on travaillait pour les banques, on travaillait pour les hôpitaux, et je, je trouvais ça beaucoup moins intéressant. Un de mes mentors à l'époque a bien noté ça et on a eu une grande conversation. Il m'a dit ça, c'est clairement pas là où vous trouvez ta passion. Alors, il m'a encouragé d'aller à Ottawa, de postuler pour des postes au ministère de la Justice. Je l'ai fait euh, et puis voilà, euh, j'ai eu une, une, une poste aux division là-bas qui n'existe plus, mais à l'époque, c'était la division de droit constitutionnel et 
administrative au ministère de la Justice. Et de là, je faisais des droits internationaux, je me rendais à, au ministère des Affaires extérieures et, comme on dit en anglais, le reste is history. Fantastic. And I think a lot of inspiration for Canadians from across the country to think about joining the federal public service. Maybe together we can make a little recruitment plug right there. I think a really interesting path to get to where you have been. But I mean, I think what's really fascinating is the history that you've made as our very first ambassador to the United States, arguably Canada's most important relationship and a leader of the world. When you were selected for this position, were you aware of the gender barriers you were overcoming? Did it mean anything? And I know you've worked with a number of women leaders on the American side, but for us, it was history. How did that feel? Hmm, that's a great question. So first and foremost, I think I have to say that I was acutely aware of the magnitude of the role. It's a huge honor to have been appointed to this position, but it's also a huge responsibility. And that has, like, there isn't a single day, <laughs> to be honest with you, that I don't think about that. Uh, it is the most important relationship. There is a lot of focus on this relationship at all levels. And so you can't reside in this position without feeling that every single day. I'm really humbled to be the first woman in the role. I really am. I think that that also brings with it a certain level of responsibility outside the traditional functions of the job, but to do it in the best possible way for myself, but as the first woman in the position and frankly, as the first public servant in the position for quite a long time. And I take that responsibility very seriously as well. And I guess the last thing I would say, and this is quite obvious here in Washington, I have many colleagues who are the first women ambassadors to the United States from their countries. Most countries, for most countries, probably almost all of them, this is the most important post for their country. So the Italian ambassador is the first, the British ambassador is the first, the German ambassador is the first woman. There are many Scandinavian ambassadors. Recently, the Mexican ambassador who left, she was the first female Mexican ambassador here. And I find that worth reflecting on. So It's not just a breakthrough for Canada and all these other countries to have a woman in the job. I think it represents that, of course, but it also represents probably a couple decades at least of work making sure that women had those experiences, responsibilities, leadership roles in order to be able to have the skills to be put to those positions. So yes, this is a pivotal moment for Canada and for a number of other countries, as I said, but it's also been a pivotal couple of decades. And our responsibility is to make sure that we not only continue to invite women to leadership tables, but we have to actually not just invite them into the room, but like pull out the chair, have them sit down, push them back in, you know, and, and, and really, really encourage them in building up what it takes to have a shot at some of these jobs. Fantastic advice. And, and a lot of work that the Women's Network has been doing at Global Affairs for a while has been exactly focused on measuring our success to understand where our numbers are, to see where there may be barriers, where we need to go, where we need to focus. But that's just the start of the story. We need to have the, the tools and the allies to give women uh, and others who have not been at that table with the table set a, a way to get there and, and to succeed. Le thème de ce mois euh, dédié aux femmes, l'histoire des femmes, c'est euh, « elle l'a fait, alors maintenant je peux ». J'aimerais savoir de vous-même, quel rôle est-ce que le mentorat avait joué dans votre succès ou est-ce que vous avez des moments clés, des individus que vous apportez à votre succès actuel Oui, c'est certain. Premièrement, je dirais que ma mère 
qui est une femme très forte, très indépendante. Elle était une mère célibataire pendant le, pendant ma jeunesse. Elle était la patronne d'une toute petite entreprise et c'était pas toujours facile. En fait, des fois, c'était très, très difficile, mais c'était très important pour elle. Et démontrer ce que ça représente de travailler très, très fort pour ses rêves, même quand on est un peu découragé, mais de vraiment avoir confiance en soi. Et elle était très importante pour moi comme mentor. Mais aussi, je dirais, il y a deux personnes qui ont eu grand impact pour moi dans ma, ma carrière. Un, j'avais 27, 28 ans quand j'étais à Montréal. Euh, C'était justement l'avocat qui m'a posé la question, est-ce que que, que j'aimais beaucoup, qui m'a dit « j'aimerais bien travailler euh, avec toi pour toute notre carrière, mais je sens que tu pas aussi contente et que c'est vraiment peut-être pas pour toi ». Et ça, ça c'était très important pour moi parce qu'il m'a appris l'importance de réfléchir sur soi, non pas justement de se mettre sur un chemin et graisser sur le chemin, mais de s'arrêter de temps en temps et de réfléchir sur sa vie. Et ensuite, euh, il y avait une autre personne, encore un homme, à, à, aux affaires extérieures à Ottawa, dans un moment très critique dans ma carrière où je j'avais peut-être pas énormément de confiance en moi. Je voulais pas prendre trop de risques. Et lui, il avait énormément de confiance en moi. Il m'a il m'a poussé à prendre des risques. Il m'a poussé à essayer d'autres choses. Et il m'a il m'a appris de ne pas avoir peur de d'avoir confiance dans mes habilités, dans ma voix, dans la de, de m'exprimer pour les choses qui, qui quand j'étais quand j'étais j'avais une avis à, à exprimer et et aussi de de faire confiance dans mes propres instincts et je dirais finalement alors ça c'est vraiment deux mentors qui m'ont ont été très très importants mais je dirais finalement que aujourd'hui là tous les jours je trouve des femmes qui m'inspirent et c'est vrai qu'il y a mes, mes homologues, j'ai des homologues incroyables ici à Washington et bien sûr à Ottawa, mais c'est plus souvent, je dirais, les jeunes femmes qui m'inspirent. Je trouve qu'il y a une ouverture d'esprit, une enthousiasme, une énergie. Euh, elles connaissent des choses que je connais pas. Et que elles, elles voient des choses que je vois pas. Elles ont des sensibilités de jeunesse que j'ai pu. Et, et vraiment, je, je, me, je suis toujours curieuse, je suis toujours très, très intéressée par la façon qu'elles voient leur vie et leur chemin. Et ça, ça m'inspire. You've just described the ecosystem sort of from top to bottom of how a woman can succeed and find the, the people that, that help carry to that success, that inspire you throughout your career, but above, beside, below... In a lot of the events that we've done around encouraging women to be inspired, to aspire in their career, you hear a great deal about maybe a lack of confidence. You've heard the term imposter syndrome. Clearly, somebody who's attained your success should be reveling in their accomplishments. At the pinnacle of what anyone could imagine to be a, a diplomatic career, what from your time as ambassador do you, are you, the accomplishments you're most proud of, or as you sort of look back over the last couple of years, what really stands out as a moment that particularly anchors you in your success and in your real talent? Wow. Um, when you find yourself in a place with a group where you have a job to do and everybody is working in the same direction, 
but not because they're being told what to do, but because they understand what it is that they bring to the table. And everybody's voice is valued and everybody's creative ideas are as valuable as anyone else's creative ideas and solutions. And even the people that aren't working on, let's say, this example would be would be the, the renegotiation of the NAFTA. And during that time, this entire embassy was humming. Uh, I'm not good at metaphors. I think this is a car metaphor, but on all cylinders or firing on all cylinders. I think that's it. So we, we were truly working in a very coherent way. And it was because people knew what the job to do was. People knew that everybody had something to contribute from the policy people to the logistical people, right? To the people who are maintaining the IT, like everybody had something to do. It was very important for Canada. It was very important for all of us. And everybody felt valued. Interestingly enough, we had a, a workplace audit not long after that. And the expectation coming from Ottawa was that people were going to be burned out, that they were going to be exhausted, that they were going to be feeling really bad. And you know what? The opposite was true. We had the highest ratings, I'm told, in staff morale and feeling a sense of accomplishment and that people knew what it was that they were meant to do and that felt good about what they were doing than had been seen in a large mission in like a generation. And I'm not surprised because we worked really hard at creating that environment. And I'm really proud of that. I am really proud of the moments where people invest in the success of everybody around them, not just their achieving whatever policy goal, but their professional growth, their personal satisfaction. I think that that is really what we should be striving for all the time. And I think for women, for everybody. What we need to be thinking about is how do we learn to become leaders, not just managers, not just people who get stuff done, but how do we learn to really inspire people? How do we learn to take care of the workplace and the people that we're with in a way that makes the workplace somewhere where people are energized, somewhere where they want to be? How do we demonstrate all of the things, excellence? right? Excellence in the quality of advice. How do we make sure, as I say, everybody's voices are heard? I think that that's what we should all be striving to help each other do. And again, being a leader, you know, you don't have to be the most senior person to be a leader. I think all of us have experienced situations where there are leaders in the group that are not necessarily a person that has the biggest title. And I think that that's terrific. And that's the way it should be, frankly. I am most proud of moments where I am feeling like I have helped orchestrate a high-performing, highly satisfied, highly effective team where everybody feels really good about themselves and good about what they're doing and good about how they're contributing and is committed to the success and well-being of everyone else. I feel very good about that. Well, a fantastic example that brings together uh, what you're talking about, leadership, policy expertise, fantastic, fantastic example, and, and rightly proud of it for sure. Unfortunately, we're almost coming to the end of the podcast, so I only have time for maybe a last quick, quick question before we need to bring this to a close. But listen, it's always the last word. What would be your final words of advice for women who are looking to succeed in their careers, whether it's a government, the foreign service? What would be your advice? I would say it's important to make plans, but it's also important to be willing to change them. It's important to to think, okay, this is kind of where I want to go, but check in with yourself. Is that really making you happy? Don't close your eyes to opportunities that might come your way that you never expected. I would. There's at least four times in my career where I changed radically what I was doing 
in a direction I'd never contemplated before. And I'm thrilled about that. And I, I think it's very, very important to keep an open mind and to always check in with yourself personally. I think that it's important to be committed to the success and well-being of the people around you and in the workplace. And I don't think anyone can succeed and be well if they're not. I think that that's crucial. And finally, I would say it's really important to take care of your non-professional life. Really, really important, you know, to take care of yourself, take care of your health, take care of your family, take care of your friendships. When I was in my 30s, I took off a lot of time when my sons were born. I took about nine months off when my first son was born. I took off two years when my second son was born. And the second time um, when I was taking off two years, I was really, it took me a while to make that decision. It was an important decision for me. And some of my colleagues said, well, you know, that, that'll be it. That's going to slow down your career, probably set you back by five years or more. But that didn't end up happening. And what ended up happening was that I did something that was very important to me, remains, I think, a, a particularly special time in my life. And it fortified me. And I went back to work happy and wanting to be at work instead of back to work and feeling conflicted and, and feeling unhappy and feeling like I was missing out on something. So take care of your personal life, make the choices that are right for you, because we just have one life and we should lead it in the best possible way in all its dimensions. Un grand merci à, à l'ambassadrice Hillman. C'était un réel plaisir de rencontrer et discuter aujourd'hui. Je pense qu'il y avait euh, des bons conseils pour tous les auditeurs aujourd'hui. Et à ceux qui nous écoutent, merci d'écouter le dossier AMC et je vous encourage à écouter d'autres. Thanks very much, Ambassador. Take care. Merci, Sandra. The GAC Files is a production of Global Affairs Canada. All opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and not necessarily that of their employer or Global Affairs Canada. For more information on Global Affairs Canada podcasts, visit www.international.gc.ca. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for listening to the GAC Files. Les dossiers d'AMC sont une production d'affaires mondiales Canada. Toutes les opinions exprimées dans ce balado sont celles des personnes concernées et pas nécessairement celles de leurs employeurs ou d'Affaires mondiales Canada. Pour plus d'informations sur les balados d'Affaires mondiales Canada, visitez le site internet www.international.gc.ca. N'oubliez pas de vous abonner à notre balado. Merci d'avoir écouté les dossiers d'AMC.